Hello, and welcome back to the Eccles Business Buzz podcast. I'm your host, Francis Johnson. Thanks for joining us as we continue our conversation about economic inclusion and empowerment. In today's episode, we're focusing on the role of higher education in creating lifelong economic opportunities. Research shows that the average college graduate is 24% more likely to be employed than their peers who have only completed a high school degree. Average earnings for college graduates are $32,000 higher annually and $1.2 million higher over a lifetime. At the same time, college is not accessible to everyone. According to the National Center for Education Statistics, over 85% of college students receive some form of financial aid, which can include federal assistance, grants, and scholarships. Here today to talk about the role of scholarships in increasing college access and lifetime economic opportunity is Mbe Agbor. Mbe spent his career in the consumer packaged goods industry, where he worked for Unilever and Reckitt. He held strategic marketing and sales positions on brands such as Dove, Lipton, Suave, Slimfast, Bertoli, and Airwick. Mbe now invests in real estate and small startups. He also owns and operates Sosega Nigeria FZE, a cashew farming and processing operation in Nigeria. Mbe earned his BS in marketing and business management at the David Eccles School of Business and earned an MBA from the Eccles School in 2001. Mbe, thanks for joining me today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Francis. Well, Mbe, we heard in the introduction about the critical role that access to college plays in lifetime economic opportunity. I think this is kind of a staggering statistic. $1.2 million higher earning potential over a lifetime for college graduates over their peers who have only had the opportunity to earn a high school diploma. To get us started today, I'm hoping you can tell us a little bit about how your family thought and talked about higher ed and why getting a college degree was so important to you personally. Thinking back in my childhood, I don't think there was ever a time where we actually talked about going to college. And that's really because we came to the United States for my parents to go to college. And just because of that example of seeing my father in school, then my mother, for the most part, there was just, oh, that's what people did, <laughs> right? Especially when we went halfway across the world to do it, which really, I think, speaks to the importance of example, right? And families as, as families, it's just, that's just what you do. So whatever it is that you grow up seeing is how things are supposed to work. So that's one thing that was kind of a little bit more unique. I mean, we grew up in the student housing, in the University of Utah student housing. So <laughs> just really surrounded by college students. We can hear the University of Utah football games at Rice-Eccles Stadium <laughs> from our place. So really, we were just surrounded. And obviously, that's just a unique set of circumstances and upbringing to have. But uh, college was just always in the background. As you thought about your own journey and starting to think about college for yourself, what, if any, barriers did you face that you had to kind of work through to make that an accessible opportunity for yourself personally? I think the biggest barrier 
I think everybody has a little bit of a different barrier. Mine was just financial, right? I essentially, for the most part, was being raised by, we were being raised by a single mother and really trying to see past the tuition. <laughs> it was a little bit hard and how we were going to make it work. I actually ended up going to LDS Business College for a couple of years. And so I think junior colleges and those kind of colleges, fantastic, especially when finances are a bit of a struggle. And I started there and then was able to transfer to the University of Utah and finish my education. So it was always, you know, how was I going to pay for this, especially since parents couldn't help. I'm surprised how much of a portion of my mind it took. But also what I think people don't realize is when you see this barrier, it's then hard to see past it as your life after this barrier, right? Because you're just focusing on this thing and how you can overcome it. You know, you, we don't need statistics, right? To show us what a difference it makes in people's lives generationally. I think this is such a great point that there are a lot of people who want to go to college and like you, being raised in an environment where sacrifices had been made for higher education, there was no question about the value of going to college and earning a degree. But the barrier of finances is so large and feels so overwhelming. And like you said, takes up so much brain power that even though you've lived your whole life with this idea that, yeah, we go to college and that's what we do, it still is a difficult thing to see in your future if you're facing this large financial barrier to actually going to college. I think sometimes we tell people like, manifest it or, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps or if you want it enough, you're going to figure it out. But the reality is these are very real barriers even to highly motivated people like yourself. And they can't always be overcome just by personal <laughs> grit and determination, right? We need other people. So tell us about your scholarship MBA and what role that played in your ability to not just come to the U and to the Eccles School, but to be able to complete your degree. Just real quick, just the phrase, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I think one thing that people don't realize is there's a lot of people that don't have boots, right? And everybody just assumes that everybody has boots to pull themselves up by. And really, I think what scholarships do is give everybody boots or bootstraps, I guess. I think once we get to the playing field, then people can show what they're capable of. But if we can't even make it into the stadium, <laughs> right? So true. How is somebody going to get an opportunity to perform? And I think it really goes beyond a, you know, probably a larger backdrop of really just kind of equalizing the opportunity for education for everybody, regardless of background. Yeah, so I received the Jack Elizondo Scholarship when I was a freshman at the University of Utah, and it made the world of difference. And I say this all the time, it's not just going to school, right? Because you go to school and you're there all day. I remember standing in front of a vending machine and being grateful that I can get a soda. And I say this all the time, but it's that simple versus, okay, I'm here all day. And the soda was just so I could get some caffeine so that I could, you know, study a little more, <laughs> right? <laughs> We've all been there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's just things that simple. And, and obviously, it helped massively with my books and my tuition. 
and also just giving me a little a little bit less stress to tackle everything else that I have to do. I mean, when we think about the things that college students have to think about and have to worry about and have to do and how stress just the entire process of going to college is, and also part of that is not knowing what your future is going to be like, right? You're still, you don't even know where you're going to live. You don't know where you're going to work. You don't know how, you don't even know what your future looks like. That's, that's it, stress in and of itself. And everybody's participating in that. Most everybody's participating in that. And then you add on top of that, right? Some people have really hard issues at home. And then some people have really hard financial issues. And some people have hard mental issues, right? But at the end of the day, when you go in front of a company and you interview, guess what? None of that matters, <laughs> right? You're all judged exactly the same, no matter if everything was taken care of for you as you were growing up, or you had to claw and grapple and fight your way for everything. I'm so glad you brought up, Mbe, that scholarships, the role that they play in academic success isn't just that now I get to go to college, but I think they also play a really important role in students being able to stay in college and to be able to successfully earn their degrees because we're also talking about relieving a mental load. Like you said, I can focus more on my studies because maybe I don't have to work two jobs to put myself through school. I can focus more on my studies because I'm not calculating in my head constantly how much debt am I going to have to pay off? You know, maybe I get worried about that and I give up halfway. I've heard from a lot of students that because of their scholarships, they've been able to participate in really meaningful extracurricular experiences like student government or clubs, other student leadership opportunities, because they don't have to work or be concerned about their finances. So I'm grateful that you brought up this point that it's not just money so we can go to college, but it's support so that students can succeed in college and really access everything that the college experience has to offer, not just the classroom. I'm also thankful, Mbe, that you brought up Jack Elizondo, the donor of your scholarship. And I know you and I have talked about him before, but I love how you describe when you first met him. Tell us about that experience of meeting your scholarship donor. Yeah, I think it is a wonderful experience for every donor to actually meet the people that their money is benefiting. It's just such an immense joy for the donor. But for me, the first time I met Jack as a recipient of his scholarship, one, you're just full of gratitude. Right, because this person is helping change your life. But the second part, and what I think was even more probably surprising, was that he was just a regular guy. You know, he was an executive at Questar Gas at the time, and he had a family. He had it wasn't like he was a bazillionaire and had all the money in the world, but it was something that was important to him that he actually had to sacrifice for to provide this scholarship for me. And that was when the light bulb just went on in my head. And actually, I remember the first time I met Jack and, and we had a luncheon, a scholarship luncheon. And I thought, gosh, I'm going to do this. And as soon as I graduate and right after I finished and got a job with Unilever, the first year is when I started the scholarship in memory of our mother. 
it also kind of spills over to mentoring as well when we talk about you know what kind of impact we could have in in the lives of young people we could all give something we all have it might not be money right it might be time and these resources and just the fact that we've just had more road miles <laughs> than than these college students and we've seen and maybe been through some pitfalls that we can actually give a little bit of advice and also be a sounding board. That was a part that, that I really enjoyed. And even though I got to, you know, see Jack once a year, it was great. You know, he asked about how school was going and, and it was just, it was great to talk to somebody that is directly involved in and invested in my future and my success. I think it makes such a difference as we're talking about the overall success of a college experience to know that there are people in our corner especially if that's something that we don't have maybe in our family lives. A lot of first-generation students whose parents are very supportive but can't help them, right? That's college is an experience that they've never had. To know that there are people, however frequently or infrequently we see them, who are sacrificing for our success, I think is such a motivator. And I think your story is particularly interesting because Jack Elizondo, your scholarship donor, was in fact himself a scholarship recipient, came from a background where college was not prioritized, where his parents had not attended college. He actually enrolled at the Eccles School and dropped out after one year because he didn't have that support system behind him found the support that he needed, received a scholarship, graduated from the Eccles School, turned around and became a donor as quickly as he could, funded a scholarship that went to you, and you in turn turned around and became a donor because of that support and that example. And I would say your own goodness to want to pay it forward and help other people I think that is another really exciting way to think about the generational change that can happen through scholarship giving. It's not just the recipient being able to change their own future and the future of their family, but these recipients, scholarship recipients, feeling such gratitude that they want to pay it forward and change the lives of other people too. I think that's such a unique really cool thing about your story and Jack's story and how that thread is continuing. Yeah. And I uh, actually had lunch with Jack, geez, about a month ago. And it was just great catching up and talking. And, and you know, we were both children of immigrants. We were both, uh, I guess I technically could be an immigrant since I came when I was eight, but, but we were both products of these families that came to this unbelievable country that people are literally dying to get to with all the opportunity and all the availability of resources. And so that's also kind of a, it's nice to be part of, to not only receive the American dream, but also be part of helping other people achieve that as well. Yeah, those ripple effects, I think, can exist in perpetuity as long as we're all willing to pitch in, like you said earlier. And Bay, you mentioned that the scholarship that you established at the Eggle School is in memory of your mother. Tell us about your scholarship and why establishing it in her name in particular was so important to you. It was a no-brainer to name it after our mother because she, so she actually ended up going to school. Well, she went to school in Nigeria, received her uh, teaching certificate, her teaching degree. She was a teacher in Nigeria, but when we came here, they didn't accept her teaching degree. And so she had to start as a freshman. 
<laughs> with four boys, <laughs> right? No family support. And our father was here at the time, but then shortly after that, he left. So, so it was really her and us four boys and just watching her work ethic. And not only her work ethic, but she was also one thing you don't, you know, as a kid, you don't realize about your parents is that she was also brilliant. In fact, she got scholarships from the education. She was a teacher. So she got scholarships from the education department from essays she's written. And, and so the stress of doing school, taking care of a family, and then worrying about her own future. <laughs> It was really a great example to us of just what it takes to succeed. And really, no one really has, well, no one has an excuse not to work hard, right? There can be a whole bunch of stuff go wrong in your life, but that hard work overcomes a lot of deficits and a lot of tough stuff that life throws at us. So it was only fitting to, to really kind of pay forward and, and try to help other women specifically that also have children that are in school and help them to kind of navigate that gauntlet and and see a better future for, for not only them, but also for their kids. That's hard. It's breaking my brain a little bit to think about being in college with four boys. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a remarkable achievement. Yeah. <laughs> and what a great way to honor her. You and I have talked before, Mbe, about College, you've described college as being a great equalizer. Talk to us a little bit about what you mean by that and how has that been your experience that college has been an equalizer in your life? Again, when, when you get to get an interview with any company, Fortune 500 or for Global 500, whatever the company is, there are certain benchmarks that you need to reach in order to be allowed into that room. And for the most part, and in the past, and it'll probably be for the foreseeable future, is a college degree. Not only a college degree, but also having performed relatively well in college. Because that's what gives us these basic skills to succeed in a corporate environment or even in life, right? I think part of the success that we get from college isn't necessarily the add, subtract, divide, and multiply portion of it, right? It's the critical thinking part. It's knowing how the world works so that we can navigate the world successfully and not make some critical mistakes that people make over and over, whether it's multi-level marketing, get-rich-quick schemes. Well, that's not, geez, we didn't study that in school. <laughs> that's not how people make money, right? <laughs> Even something that's that simple. And so I think it just kind of compounds or maybe increases your ability to be successful. So then when you get into the room, and then what, once you're able to get in the room, then yeah, I mean, let's see how well you, you perform. But you can't even get into that room until you have that college degree or college diploma. And, or even I would even say trade schools. That's one thing that I'm actually highly in favor now of now that there's, you know, our, our plumbers, electricians and, and other trades that they're just, you know, there's, it's a specific set of skills that are needed. But unless you get kind of your certification of those skills, you're still, you know, not going to be let into the room. You can still work around those people, but you're not going to really be making the kind of money that you need to really support a family well. And they have this compounding effect, like you say, right? If I can figure these things out, then my family or the students I mentor, now I'm in a position to start them at the place that I had to work so hard to get to and now they launch 
from such a better position. And hopefully, right, we all hope as parents, as members of our communities, that the next generation always does a little bit better and a little bit better. But that gap really closes when we can offer these compounding opportunities and this compounding access. No, no, absolutely. Absolutely agree. We have a partner, a great friend of the Eccles School, who always says intelligence is equally distributed among the population, but opportunity is not. And I think going back to what you said earlier, not everyone has boots, (laughs) right? Our role, if we have resources, is to bring the opportunity up equal for everyone and then let them succeed and then watch that opportunity multiply. I think that is, to me, as I've been at the Echo School and met students who are scholarship recipients, met alums who were scholarship recipients, that multiplying effect is really the most powerful thing. When you think of your life, MBA, your career, your college experience, what have you been able to achieve if you could like boil it down or crystallize it? What do you feel like you've been able to achieve because of your access to college that you wouldn't have been able to without it? This is a hard one because it's ongoing and it's the confidence to know that you can. I think even before we're in college, we're not quite sure of our abilities. Yeah, we got through high school, but almost everybody gets through high school. But now we've kind of leveled up and there's other people. And you sit in a room, you're like, oh my gosh, okay, that guy's smarter than me. Oh, geez, I know that girl's smarter than me. Right? You don't know how you measure up. You don't know what you can achieve. But then once you go through these exercises, you go through these calisthenics, and then you make it through to the other side, you figure out, oh my goodness, I can do it. Right? Okay, now what else can I do? And then it becomes, okay, then you get employed and then you get to get promoted and you get to now, now you get financially, you're a little bit more stable and you're like, oh my goodness, I can do it just like everybody else. Just like the donor that says, and really say intelligence is distributed equally, that it's like, oh my goodness, from the environment I came from, I did not know that. And now you have this confidence that you can do something. Okay. Then now what else can I do? And then you can start to dream bigger and engage in you know, more audacious goals and more audacious projects because of that seed. And, and not only the seed of, yes, you can, but also too, you, like I said, you learn a whole bunch of stuff there in college <laughs> of maybe how to start a business or at least in business school, right? And how that works and how successful people have done it and how people that have been not successful have done it, <laughs> right? Or were, or were able to not do it, I guess <laughs> I should say. I would say college gave me the confidence to know that the only limit is me. And that's probably the biggest takeaway I took from that experience. I love that. The confidence to know we can, something that we all deserve, but not something that we all get in our natural circumstances. That I think is a great thing for all of us to aspire to. As you think of your scholarship recipients, Mbe, what is it that you hope they 
are able to achieve as a result of the generous support that they've received from you? Well, so I think this whole thing comes down to being happy. (laughs) I mean, I think we substitute education for that, substitute money for that. We substitute a whole bunch of things for that. But at the end of the day, when we get to achieve the things that we set out to achieve, so yes, happiness is quantified by a certain income level. But and once we reach that, and we don't have to worry about food, clothes, shelter, and safety, and you know, have a car that works and things like that, and we're able to be happy, and not only happy, I want to be happy, but also happiness also comes from contributing. And so if that happiness can be shared by giving of themselves, whether financially or their time to someone else that needs a boot, then that is no matter where they go in life, no matter how successful they are, if they're happy and are contributing, boy, that's making it right. That's being successful in life. That's the next, the next generation following in your footsteps as you followed in Jack's footsteps. That's how we move the needle is one person, one generation, one effort at a time. Embe, thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing your experiences with us. I appreciate it so much. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Eccles Business Buzz podcast. We'll be back next week with another great conversation. So be sure to subscribe to Eccles Business Buzz wherever you listen to podcasts so you won't miss it. And invite a friend or fellow alum to listen with you. You can also follow us on Instagram at Eccles Alumni for all the latest news from your Eccles Alumni Network. Until next time, Eccles Business Buzz is a production of the David Eccles School of Business and is produced by University FM.